welcome to the Gerald Davis Overflowing Cup Ministry. God's people are being informed and changed through these anointed revelation truths. Gerald's messages are aimed at helping God's people walk in success for the rest of their lives on earth. This message will help you do just that. All right. I'm connected, I'm wired, and I'm prayed up. I'm read up. I'm fed up with some things. God spoke to me in a time of, of uh, attack. And you know we, we are the way we think. And I heard this in my spirit. If you will always concentrate on being a blessing, you will seldom have to pray to receive one. We have come along so receive-minded until it's difficult to change that mentality. But Jesus cleared it up for us. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And he wasn't just talking about money. Show love. Show kindness. Be forgiving. Amen? Don't be so quick to pass judgment on people. Give us the benefit of the doubt. I never have met one of us yet that's perfect. And learn to walk in love and kindness and be careful with your mouth. Sermon number one. Now let's talk about pushback. This is what I came here today to talk to you about. I didn't know how I was going to title this until two days ago. But things that are happening in our nation and things that I'm seeing the Christian people of this nation deal with and the threats that seem to be coming toward us seem to me that there's a necessity in starting to deal with it. What am I to do? Turn the other cheek? Yes, sometimes, depending on what the situation is. But you know, Jesus did tell his disciples to get themselves a sword on one occasion. Well, I heard a few amens. You do know why he told them to get themselves a sword, didn't you? For self-defense. And there are times when we're attacked that we didn't know how. We need to know how to resist the devil. Read it right there, James 4 and 7. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. But it's up to me to do the resisting. I want to tell you a story in the short period of time that we'll be here this morning. But before I do, I want you to look at some scriptures with me. And one has to do with my reference to the Supreme Court and the ruling of same-gender marriage. And I know that I don't have any problem with anybody here walking in agreement with me that that is not God's plan. It's not God's will. And I want you to see this verse of Scripture. You know, God judges a nation. He judges states. 
He judges counties. God judges cities. He judges families. And he judges individuals. How he does it, I don't know, but that's why I'm not God. He can and he does. And when God chooses to judge, it's his business and I can't stop him. I've learned something about God. He loves us all. Some because of us and some in spite of us. Did you know that God doesn't like everything that people do? He doesn't like everything that people think. And he told us plainly, you don't think like I think. Your ways, therefore, not my ways. You can't do right till you think right. Well, you, you could have done a better amen there, but it's the truth. Here's the verse of scripture that I want you to look at. Isaiah 10 and 1. Woe unto them that decree unrighteous decrees. What's the difference between righteous and unrighteous? To me, it's very simple. If God said it, it's righteous. Anybody that says anything different is unrighteous. Is that simple enough for you? It doesn't matter what I think. If it disagrees with God, I'm wrong. My ways are just naturally His ways. So God said, woe to them that decree. A decree is an order or a ruling by a government for the people to function and live by. Makes it legal. Whatever the decree is. Darius decreed a decree that nobody could worship any god but himself for a certain period of time. And you know the story about Daniel. He said, I, I don't think so. And he went to his window and prayed three times a day. He made sure everybody knew how he felt about it. Y'all didn't shout too loud, but I'm telling the truth. Unrighteous decrees that are made will be reckoned with by the God of the universe. And he said, woe to them that decree unrighteous decrees and write grievousness which, he, which they have prescribed. They put it in writing, make it a rule, make it a law. Meditate on that one. Now let's go to another verse of scripture in Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 14. You're looking at it on the screen. God said, I have seen something horrible. I'm going to get right down where the rubber meets the road here. God talking. I have seen something horrible. What is it he's talking about? Well, he goes ahead and explains. They commit adultery and live a lie. They strengthen the hands of evildoers. Make laws that make it legal for people to do wrong. And they don't turn from their wickedness. They're like Sodom to me and are like Gomorrah. Does anybody have any question about what he's dealing with here? I don't think so. If you don't know, you ask your neighbor. Somebody can tell you. And then I want you to see something else. Genesis 18, 20. The Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous 
Now, I'm going to agree with God. You know, it doesn't matter how popular it is. I'm going to agree with God. And if he says something's grievous, calls it a sin, that's what I'm going to do. Do we hate the wrongdoer? No. But do we hate the same things God hates? You need to decide, folks. I'm going to tell you that story here in just a minute, but we need to talk to our children and talk straight to them. As soon as they're old enough to start being interested in this kind of thing, you need to talk to them and get them straight. If they don't get it right from you, they'll get it wrong from somebody else. We don't have a choice. I'm talking about pushback. I'm talking about righteousness. I'm talking about God's thinking here. You know, if you don't like it, talk to him. I'm just presenting his book to you. I think everybody here does believe the Bible is the word of God, right? Yes, we're under grace. Yes, God forgives sin. But I've noticed something about God in his word. He said, I'm the Lord thy God, I don't change. Which tells me that if he used to not like something, he still don't like it. And if he used to like it, he still likes it. Yes, he changes methods and ways and means and gives his people ideas and insights and new concepts, ways of going in this society we live in. But God in his nature, in his spirit, he doesn't change. God is love. But love has sacrifice in it. We don't always do everything we want like we want to do it if God says differently. Now, I want to mention something to you that I think will be of interest. In my view, the nation of America is an Israel out of Israel. I'll tell you why. The first Israel, the nation that we call Israel, had a set of rules and laws and a covenant that God cut with their father Abraham. And then he came along and gave the laws that we know as the Ten Commandments for his people to function by. They couldn't keep the laws. They couldn't do right. Their sinful flesh was constantly in the way. So God gave a different covenant. He sent Jesus and established the covenant of grace which covers all of our sins no matter what we've done but it's a new covenant what does this covenant function by well the law is not excluded but it's included in what God calls the law of love a new law I give unto you that you love one another so when I do that, I don't judge people, but I pray for them if I see them doing something that I know is not scriptural. I pray for them, and I pray to God that he'll forgive me where I make mistakes and in my faults. Amen? Amen. So I see this nation as an Israel out of Israel. In that, 
Columbus discovered this nation back in 1492. People came with him on the ships that were tired of being governed by what they could believe and not believe, rules and laws that were established that limited their freedom in religion and in spiritual inclinations and following the Lord. So they, they left because of that. They wanted freedom, freedom to serve God. They came when they came to this nation. The pilgrims then began to establish churches. They created the Constitution, and the biggest part of the Constitution reflects the laws and the rules of God from the Scriptures. You know that. But, but this nation was established thereby under Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant. So the first covenant still exists, but the second covenant is in America, established on the rules and laws that God gave us through Jesus Christ. Now, the devil who doesn't like it is finally beginning to make some inroads and cause governmental leadership to establish things and say things and make laws that disagree with the laws that this nation was established by. You shouting amen? amen? How many agree with me? So I see Israel, the first Israel under the first covenant, I see America under the second covenant established by God and the devil trying to steal it from us. Is that clear enough? Now that's the way I think. That's what I feel. And he's doing it an inch here and an inch here and an inch here and an inch here. Here a little, there a little. He's continuing to establish little rules, little laws that take our freedoms from us. And in time, we'll be under a totally new system. And they'll want to change the Constitution. So here's my story. I take this story out of 1 Kings chapter 20 and I'm just going to tell it to you. You can read it later if you want to to verify everything I'm saying. But there are two major things that I want to point out from this story. And the story begins like this. Ben-Hadad, king of Syria at that time, got all his army together, got 232 kings and their armies together, and they came against Syria where the king of Israel was. Not Syria, I'm sorry, Samaria, where the king of Israel was in the nation of Israel. And they surrounded the city with all their armies. There was a multitude so big that you just couldn't imagine counting them. And Ahab, the king, stood on the wall and he watched as runners from Ben-Hadad's camp came toward his wall with their megaphones. They shouted, Your silver and your gold belongs to Ben-Hadad. Your wives and your children belong to Ben-Hadad. We're going to take everything you own. Now, all of you that have lived very long know how the devil can surround you at times 
with appearances that are unimaginable. You don't know where to turn. You don't have anybody you can go to that can fix it or change it. It looks like an impossible situation. We've all heard the, heard the term, some you win, some you lose. You know, this is just one of those things that nothing I can do about. How many are staying with me here? Ahab looked at those soldiers down there with their megaphones. He sized up the situation and all the appearances. And he said, go back and tell him, uh, you know, nothing I can do about it. I mean, he's got me. Anybody know that feeling? I know you do. If you've lived very long, you do. I'm stuck. I got nobody to turn to. I got enough. I don't have enough money. I'm sick. This sickness killed a friend of mine here and a friend of mine there, and I've heard about it. I, I'm, I'm doomed. I don't have any way to go. He didn't even have a helicopter that could get up and go get his allies. He had no cell phone, no telephone, no telegraph. He had no way to get any help from his allies. He's surrounded. It's hopeless. So the soldiers ran back and told Ben, hey, Dad, in his tent, what the man said. I'm going to show you how mean the devil is, as if you didn't know. He said, you go back and tell him that I said, Tomorrow we're going to come into his city and we're going to go in his palace and we're going to watch you and watch your eyes and whatever it is that you like, we're going to take that just because you like it. I mean, the devil does, he does not ever volunteer to quit. You got to run him off. And if you don't run him off, he's not leaving. And he's mean. He'll knock you down financially. He'll knock you down physically. He'll knock you down maritally. He'll knock you down every way you can think. And then he'll jump on your both feet and stomp you until you're nothing but a bloody mess laying on the floor. He's mean. He, you know why he's mad at you? Because he hates God. And the only way he can get to God is to get through you. When he hurts you, you're the apple of God's eye. And he hurts God. And it hurts God to see us lose. I said it hurts God to see us lose. It hurts God to see us lose. God is never in favor of me losing. Never. Ben Haydad turned around his, I mean Ahab turned around his counselors and said, did you hear what he just said? They said, don't do it. Don't do what? Don't let him do it. <laughs> he looked around again at all those armies got him surrounded. And he said, what are we going to do? His counselor just said, tell him no. I'm a counselor standing here in front of you today. And I'm saying to you, learn how to say no. Learn how to tell the devil the best word you can ever use when you're talking to the devil is just no. 
You, you may not want know what you're going to do, but you're fed up and you're tired and you know what you're not going to do anymore. I'm not going to sit still and take it. I'm pushing back. I don't have any way to do it in my natural mind, but I, I'm agreeing with God. No, this is God's country. This is God's people. This is God's nation. No, devil, no. Ask him, ask him, what is it that's so difficult, devil, about understanding that little two-letter word? My answer is no, simple, N-O. Is there any part of that word, devil, that you can't understand? I'll explain it to you again, simply no. You're not gonna do what you're threatening that you're gonna do. You're not gonna do it. I don't know how I'm gonna keep you from it, but I'm leaning on the God that I serve and he has made me promises and God is not a loser, which makes me a winner. Amen? No! Somebody shout no! Now when you leave here, you keep saying it. No, I don't care what it looks like. No! No. So he told him. So you go back and tell that bird that I said no. I, you know, I was going to concede on that other, but, but you know you done pushed me too far. I've had it. I used to love to watch Popeye with my boys when they were little guys. Oh, I love to watch Popeye. Brutus said, Catch him by the legs and slam him on the floor up one side, down the other, throw him against the ceiling. I mean, it back and forth until Popeye's going, oh, oh, oh. And then Brutus would tie him up with ropes, tie a heavy weight around his feet, and throw him out in the middle of the lake. Popeye'd glug, 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 glug. Yeah. All the way to the bottom. And he'd get down there and he'd get to thinking about it. And then he would say, Does anybody know what he would say? That's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. And then he would squeeze and pop that, pop that spinach can out. You know what that was to me? That's a word of God. There's so much energy. There's so much power in the word of God. I may not know how God's going to do it, but I know what he said. And that's what I need right now. I just need a word from the Lord. And I'm here. God sent me out here today with a word from the Lord to encourage you to start saying no. Amen. Oh, threatenings. Threatenings come on every hand. They come in every way. 
we're spiritual beings and we're also physical beings and we live in a materialistic world so the devil's got three areas there to work on. He steals, he kills, and he destroys. So it doesn't matter which area he's attacking me on, my answer is still no. Thank you. Thank you. Well, they took off and went back to tell Ben Hadad. And the tap prophet of God tapped King Ahab on the shoulder. It just came out of like nowhere. And he said, Ahab, God sent me to tell you that he's going to deliver this entire multitude into your hands. Now, now Ahab had 232 soldiers in his town, period. Everybody else was old men on canes, women and children. And he, 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 he said, sir, old Mr. Prophet, please tell me who would order that kind of battle. And the prophet said, you. Now the first thing I wanted to emphasize was learning to say no. And the next thing I want to emphasize is you just can't lean on other people to do your battle for you. It's good to get other people praying with you and agreeing with you, but you're the one that has to order the battle. Yeah, but the way it looks, forget it. Yeah, but from where I'm standing, forget it. What does the Word of God say? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He will. He will. Did you know you can't ever see a miracle till you need one? You got to need miracles to get them. Everybody wants to see miracles. Need one. I don't want to need one. Well, don't see a miracle then. But I'm telling you, once you see miracles happen in your life and God intercept the devil and do things thought impossible, that will tighten up your relationship with God in a way that nothing else can do. I love other people's testimonies, but oh Lord, how I need my own. Amen. You order the battle. Nobody else can do it for you. We need to have these prayer meetings you're having. Thank God for the, for the vision and for the insight and the call to prayer. I want to ask you a question. If God had to make a choice between hearing you pray for two solid hours or seeing you do what he told you to do, which one do you think he would choose? I'm trying to help you. People wonder why God doesn't answer their prayers. He is answering your prayers. He often lets impossible situations arise and develop to give you an opportunity to do your part 
so he has a chance to do his part. Huh? How's it that song Andre Crouch wrote? If you never had any problems, never know how to solve them. Or what was that? I forget that word now, but you, you gotta you gotta have opportunities in order to see victories. Amen. So let's talk about pushing back. The Bible said, the prophet of God said, you order the battle. And as he meditated on that, he decided to obey the word of God. He turned to his 232 soldiers and said, open the gate at noon. Every one of you go out and we're going to see what happens. And they got their combat boots on. They got their helmets on and they put on their armors and they started walking out at high noon heading for Ben Haydad's tents. And Ben Haydad's soldiers saw people coming out with their armors on. He run told King Ben Haydad and he said, well, just go out there and capture them. I don't care if they come for peace or for war. Just capture them and bring them here. So he sent a group of men out, looked like about the size of the ones that was coming out of the city. And all of them got blue coats on and the red coats are coming out of the city. The battle engaged, next thing you know, the red coats are all still standing, the blue coats are on the ground. You know what that did? It struck fear in the heart of Ben Haydad. Nobody can fight like that. Nobody's that good. I know my soldiers can do better than what in the world is going on. And he got scared, jumped on his horse, and took off running. And when he ran, everybody else ran. Can you imagine? I'm going to tell you something about the devil. He knows how to be afraid. And he's trying to pass that off on every one of us. I'll get through here in just a minute. But the devil is doing what he can. He knows how to be afraid. If you resist him, Growl at him. Bark at him. Use the name that never fails when you talk to him. And watch him. If you'll stand up, God will stand up. If you'll speak up, God will speak up. If you'll move forward, God will move forward. He works with us, not in spite of us. Amen. Well, hallelujah. The Bible said they won that battle that day. I forgot how many it was they killed, but it's just pitiful. And, and Ahab, Ben Hadad, got off and he got away on his horses. His soldiers got him together and they said, You know, the problem was we were trying to fight them in the wrong territory. They've learned how to be good in that territory. Let's, 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 let's go against them over here in this territory. If he can't get to you in your body, he'll get to you in your finances. If he can't get to you in your finances, he'll get to you spiritually and get you confused and worried and upset. And you get like Job. You're just afraid that something bad's going to happen. I'm preaching good to somebody. You get to thinking about what bad could happen. Did you know that fear is the same as faith except it believes in the wrong one? Faith believes in God. Fear believes in the devil. Faith believes in what God will do. Fear believes in what the devil might do. 
Fear has torment. Faith has peace and joy and happiness. Amen. And fellowship with God. Well, glory to God. So I'm going to quit. But before I do, the prophet of God tapped on the Ahab's shoulder when they were dancing and having a party inside the city of Samaria about their victory. And he said, sir, they're coming back. He said, what? I thought I whipped that devil. What? I had such a miracle. You're telling me what? He's coming back. How many of you remember about six weeks ago, maybe two months ago, close to it, we had a vote in the city of Houston, and people turned out and said, No, we're not going to agree to your bathroom ordinance where men can go in women's restrooms, et cetera, et cetera. And they voted against it and put it down. The mayor had tried her best, being of that lifestyle, had tried her best to get that arranged so everybody else would move into it in spite of what the people wanted. And did some crazy things. Did you get a letter from her asking for, for, for your notes, Pastor? A lot of pastors in Houston did. Wanted just sermon notes. They want to check you out and see if you've been preaching against this. That's why she did it. She wanted to prosecute. I'm talking about pushback. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I remember the following day after that vote. Mrs. Mayor stood up and said, this is not over. In other words, we're coming back. We'll come at it in a different direction, in a different way, but we're coming back. And the Bible said Ahab decided it doesn't matter which way they come from or how many they have. We know what God has done and we know what God will do. And the Bible said he went out to the zone. He went out to the zone where they said they couldn't, couldn't possibly win. He went out there and he had like two little flocks of, of goats in number. That's what they looked like to the enemy. And the enemy had them surrounded again. And the enemy in fear waited for seven days and they finally engaged in the battle against that small little group of unbelievable warriors. He says, something about them, we better, we better be careful here. And sure enough, now I don't know, Pastor, you can meditate on this sometime and see if you can understand it. But the Bible said that small group killed 100,000 footmen of the enemy that day and the rest of them which were 27,000 took off running and sat down they sat down beside a wall in the city of Aphek and God reached over and jerked a brick out of the wall and the whole wall fell on the rest of them <laughs> do what you can do and God will do what you can't do amen, amen. 
Stand up and God will stand up. Move forward, God will move forward. Amen. Speak up and God will speak up. I know that it shall be, cried Paul, on the deck of that ship when the, when, the, when the ship was falling apart. I know it shall be that it shall be as God has told me. Let us resolve and make that a steady daily diet. It shall be as God has told me.